Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, let's go out to the Ryan Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. Truly steps beyond convenient. They will find the Miami Herald's Adam Beasley, Dolphins reporter extraordinaire. Bees, first off, before we get to the Dolphins stuff, I promised you when we had a date... With my showdown with the crow, I would let you know, and we do. It is going to be the night of February 8th, so it's less than a month away. I will have a location, uh, I believe, in 24 hours, but set in stone. Yelich is going to be there, and we look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, you can uh, pencil me, or actually pen me down for RCP yes to that bad boy. Excellent, excellent. All right, man, so uh, at Davey yesterday... Um, the Dolphins, they had Tannenbaum up there. They had Adam Gase up there. I would, let's just throw it up to you first. What was the most interesting thing you came at, uh, that you thought came out of yesterday? Well, it's gotta be Ryan Tannehill, right? Yeah. It's gotta be the fact that, uh, a month ago, uh, we had Adam Gase saying, excuse me, Adam Gase saying it was a, uh, sprained, uh, ECL, sprained MCL, and surgery did not look likely, and they did not expect Ryan to miss any of the off-season workout. Uh, fast forward a month, and uh, that, that story seems to have changed. It looks like now that they can't rule out surgery, and not just the arthroscopic variety, full-blown reconstructive, you know, six- to nine-month-out knee surgery on either the ACL, presumably, or the MCL. The MCL, uh, it's two totally different injuries. The MCL can regenerate on its own. The ACL cannot. So if he's going to be out for, for six months, say, it would be the reconstructive surgery on his ACL, which is kind of stunning, right? Because why not have this done a month ago and, and, and speed up the clock and, 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 and at the very least ensure that he'd be able to be back for the opener? Now you, you do the math. Uh, if it's the, 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 the far end, if it's nine months, you're talking about if he has surgery tomorrow, uh, nine months is the middle of October, which would certainly put him on pup to start the season if, if it is a normal recovery. Now, Ryan is kind, kind of a freak of nature, as they call him, so it could be sped up. But nonetheless, this is, this is incredible. I mean, he is, he, just six days ago he was out there practicing, which would suggest that they feel like he's making good progress. But the fact that they can't say for certain that there's going to be the kind of structural integrity they need in that ligament for him not to need surgery was just jaw-dropping. Well, Adam, I can kind of explain it for you. Please do. Well, here's what happens. And I said this when he had the injury, that a sprain is a level of tear. Sure. And in most cases, understand that if he were a regular guy – living a regular life, right, just playing basketball for recreation or something like that, he would have had surgery already. Mm -hmm. I've seen this before. But what they do is is they say, hey, because he's with us, he's in a facility where he can get treatment every time. It's not totally torn. Let's try and avoid the surgery in the six, nine months, do some rehab, and see if if it will heal in a timely manner. Now, what happens is, is after a month, you're still testing it. 
You're seeing his progression. Everything's strengthening. Everything's strong. But you're feeling that leg, and it still feels a little loose. And it's a month later. Now you're thinking, okay, should we just do this, or is this an injury that, okay, in two months from now, we're still going to have this issue? So it's kind of the athlete thing where because he may be a fast healer or he is built really well, you tend to overlook the fact that it is a slight tear and he can kind of heal on his own with all the therapy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking at it like, okay, you know, even though he's moving around, it's still not playing football. And do we want to risk not having this fixed now and almost missed two years. No, maybe there. And there was also maybe there was nothing. There's just nothing to risk anymore. So there's no gamesmanship to keep up with him anymore. True. Well, uh, yeah, and, and and that's true. And I, I think we we can't understate how important it was uh, to Adam and to Ryan for Ryan to appear in a playoff game because uh, look, this is a team that doesn't want to be happy with being the 2008 Dolphins, right? The the, the one year wonder, and after that, you're 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 stuck in that cycle of mediocrity. They they want this to be a starting point. They want it to get to a point where expectations are you make the playoffs every year and you're you know, wildly disappointed if that if that doesn't happen. And they want to be in a position where they make Super Bowl runs, not just maybe win a game in the playoffs and be happy losing the divisional round, get smoked by the Patriots or something. No, they, they want to make Super Bowl runs. And there are very few quarterbacks who the first time they get to the playoffs reel off the two or three games they need uh, wins they need to get to the Super Bowl. And so they wanted Ryan to have, to be in that moment, to have that experience. Look, uh, you know, short of Dan Marino, I don't know who could have beaten the Steelers on, on Sunday. The Dolphins' defense was just so bad for so long. They gave up 30-plus points for the last six games. I think in their heart of hearts, they probably knew it was, it was going to be, a, uh, at the very least, a, an uphill battle, if not uh, you know, a, a, a fruitless battle, a, you know, kind of a lost cause. But it's not a lost cause because you have guys, you have 41, or I guess 34 members of that team that never appeared in the playoffs before got to play in a playoff game. And that's, and that's huge, and that's absolutely huge for this team uh, going forward. So I think that's part of the reason why they hit pause. And I think another part of the reason is they thought Ryan might regenerate, right? He might, he might heal. And, again, the ACL won't you know, reattach itself, but it will. You can strengthen the muscles around. You can build up some scar tissue where it provides some protection. And I think that, that was the calculated risk. Now, at the end of the day, if that risk was wrong, uh, 2017 is going to get off to a rough start. Adam, you know, one of the things that I was – there's a couple of things that I was impressed with with Adam Gase before he got the job and now where we are now. And that is when he came in and asked him what type of offense you were going to have, what type of defense, he said, I don't know what type of players I have yet. And, right. and that's usually a sign of a good coach because a lot of coaches have come here even at the University of Miami and with the Dolphins and tried to just plug their system in and spend years trying to find players. So it took a while, but they found what they could do. This group of players could do well. Now, after the fact, and yesterday, and Tannenbaum and, and the whole organization, it almost seemed like they had this conversation and they were aware that things kind of went their way but it wasn't an indication of how good they were going to be year after year after year, and they have to keep working at this. And it felt, you know, really good to to hear it because we all saw it. 
And at least they're being honest with what they have in that organization, what needs to be done. Because I remember in 2008, and they just kind of said, oh, we're just going to be better with these guys and we're going to move on. And there were some deficiencies that they never really uh, they never really paid attention to and it ended up costing them. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. A couple of things. One, you look at that defense that started in Pittsburgh – how many special teams players were on that starting defense? Five, maybe? Right. Yeah. And, and they know that's not sustainable. They know that they were, I think, eight and two in one-score games and on a long enough timeline. That'll even out. It was, it was interesting, though. It was telling. And, and of course, <clears throat> Mike Tannenbaum did say we have a lot of work to do this offseason. But what was kind of fascinating was I asked Adam early on in the press conference yesterday if what was a better representation of – uh, the 2016 Dolphins, the one that went 9-1 and one over 10 games, won all the close games. I think they had five wins by five different last-minute touchdowns or so, something incredible like that. They scored five different ways to win late in games. Or what, what, what was better representation, that team or the team that got boat raced in, consecutive, in eight days, basically, by the Patriots and the Steelers? And his answer was, well, actually, if you look at the game, what, with both those games, what happened was uh, – we, we had opportunities to change the dynamic of the game in both those games. And in the past, in, in games that we came back and won, we made those plays. Against the Patriots and against the Steelers, we did not. And he's absolutely right because they were down, what, 13? I think it was 13 against the Steelers and had the ball inside the 10 when Damian Williams has that fumble. And, right. Uh, yeah, the, just the crushing turnovers. The whole way. And then you have Matt Moore turn the ball over on three consecutive possessions when the Dolphins were only down two scores and could have, could have made it a game. But I think what there's a, there's a broader point to be made here is when you play the Jets, when you play the Bills, when you play the Chargers, when you play the Rams, your margin of error is a lot bigger than when you play the Patriots and the Steelers. So they couldn't, they couldn't overcome those mistakes that they may have under, overcome in, in previous games against the elite teams, and that's what they have to address. They have to get to a point where not, they're not relying on a pick six or a kickoff return for a touchdown or a game-winning drive by their quarterback. They want to get into a position where they're, when they're playing bad teams, uh, they're up three scores in the fourth quarter, and when they're playing good teams, that's when you rely on your players to make plays at the end. Talking to Adam Beasley. Bees, um, the, the contract situations for the wide receivers for this offseason – uh, do you think they're going to be able to pay both Kenny Stills and do they want to finish up Jarvis Landry this year? Because I imagine, you know, Jarvis has a year still left on his deal, but making the Pro Bowl, you know, he thinks of himself as one of the elite players of uh, 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 in the game. I imagine he wants to, he wants to get paid quite handsomely. So uh, do you think that they are going to be able to bring both of those guys back? Um, how do you think that's going to play out this offseason? Two separate questions. One, Kenny Stills is the more pressing concern because he's up in March. Uh, I, I don't see how he comes back uh, to the Miami Dolphins uh, unless they really decide they're going to break the bank because he had uh, nine touchdown catches last year, which is a pretty big number. Uh, he, I think he was third in the NFL in yards per catch, over 17. Uh, he is playing at a level like a Tavon Austin level who got paid, you know, what was it, uh, you know, eight figures a year, $10 million plus a year. I, I can't see how the Dolphins do that and play and pay Jarvis. And there's make no mistake, Jarvis Landry is their number one priority to, to, to lock up long term on that side of the ball. Uh, and I and I know that there is a bit of urgency with an organization to do it this year because they see what happened to uh, Lamar Miller, what happened to Olivier Vernon, what happened even to Rashard Matthews. 
uh, players that played so well in their contract year, they priced themselves out of the Dolphins' consideration. Uh, Jarvis is a better player than all three of those guys. He is, I mean, you could make a strong argument that he's their best offensive player. I know J.H.I. won the MVP this year, and, and, and Ryan Tannehill will always be in that conversation. But th- this offense does not go without Jarvis Landry. The Dolphins need to keep him, and they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to do so. Well, Adam, and and I'm just thinking, like, from a fiscally sound position, all right, which is not normally me because I say pay everybody. <laughs> yeah, I see you making a rain, man. Right. But if you have basically two years to sign Jarvis Landry, do you not sign Kenny Stills and then just continue talks without signing uh, until you know what you're going to get? Or do you let Kenny Stills go and now you have nobody to stretch the field and your whole offense is 20 yards in it? Yeah, it's, it's a real dilemma. A couple of things. One, I know that they have a price point for every player. Sure. Kind of the Patriots, right? They have, the Patriots had a price point for Michael Floyd, who was a national embarrassment. Um, so they have a price point for Jarvis Landry. They have a price point uh, for Kenny Stills. The problem is, do you want a mad Jarvis Landry going into his contract year and say he balls out next year and has a career year, which would be astonishing because he already has the most catches of any receiver through the first three years of his career. But say he has 110 catches, 1,200 yards, and and eight touchdowns. He finally catches a bunch of touchdowns next year. He's going to probably say, you know what, you had your chance. I'm going to go test the open market, and someone could throw a boatload of money at him. So, you know, again, I think at the end of the day, to steal a phrase from from Dominican Sue, at the end of the day, that deal will get done. I think he's the one that's going to be locked up long-term. They cannot pay two receivers $10-plus million a year. That's just not sustainable. Okay, but here, and and I just – can your slot receiver be your highest-paid receiver? Well, it's a question if he'll be the spot receiver next year. Maybe he's, you know, he, he, he convinces Adam Gaze to throw him the ball downfield more. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. That, look, I'm just going by what what has, what has he's done in the last two yeah, or three years. It's, now, inter- it's interesting coach, because, like, why, you know, right. I would feel like you, you would have seen that from his career already. Right. This coaching staff knows what they have more than we know. Okay, and if they feel, hey, we can move him outside and he can be our number one guy, then the conversation is over. You sign Mm -hmm. Jarvis Landry, you let Kenny Stills go if you can't get him at a reasonable price because you already feel you have that guy. But we know what type of receiver he is just by watching him. He's more of a slot guy, middle of the field, going to catch it, going to, you know, break tackles and get his yards that way. And you lose that deep threat. Is he the guy that you can afford to pay eight figures and only be a slot receiver and catch vol- have volume catches? Right, yeah, no, it, it's a great question. I think the Dolphins see it this way. We want to keep our best players, and they see Jarvis Landry as one of their yes, best players. Agreed. gives them the best chance to agreed. win. So I don't think they care – I don't think they care if he lines up at tight end so long as he's highly productive, and, that, and that's what he is. So uh, you're, you're, you make great points. I mean, you, you want to pay elite money to guys that are downfield threats. He's just a different kind of dude, right, though? I mean, yeah. he, his, the way he plays, the way he breaks tackles, the way he makes people miss, his yards after catch is pretty good. Uh, and he has shown the ability to, to, to take short plays and make long ones. Uh, this year, he had two really pretty dynamic plays, although one of them he got caught. Uh, I, I just think that they, they see uh, Jarvis as more irreplaceable as Kenny Stills. And, and, and don't, don't, don't think that they don't see a lot of value in Kenny. 
I just don't think they see a $10 million a year value in them. Bees, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bees. All right, guys. Enjoy the offseason. We'll see you at the Crow event. I can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.